Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Does anybody feel just a little creepy right now? It's like, like, wait a minute, is this like Book of Eli? I don't know what just happened. Is this post-apocalyptic? Is this the end of the world? Because like, this is, this is post-nuclear fallout right here. This is what the church looks like after a bomb blew up next to it. Anyway, this is a little creepy vibe. Are y'all okay this morning? All right, lock in with me. We are the start of a brand new series called Forgotten Virtues. And I think you can kind of see where we're wanting to go with this over the next few weeks. And, and, and really, the genesis of this series is that I don't know if you feel the way that I feel. And I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing or, or when, you, when you experience life and you watch the news and you look at the world around you and it's this report and it's this story and it's this incident and it's this, and you're just like, what in the world is going on? Can I get an amen? You're just like, really? I thought we were moving forward, you know. As a, as a human species, I thought we were getting better at life. I thought we were figuring out how to get along. I thought, we, I thought that we were moving forward. And, and what we realize is, is that we have times where we're moving forward, and it seems like we're backsliding right now. Just as a, as a human race, we're moving in the wrong direction. And even as a culture in American society, we are moving in the wrong direction. And you think, what, what, you know, what, what happened to, to the good old days? You ever look at that and you're like, man, what? what? And, and don't get me wrong, the good old days weren't always as good as we maybe remember them to be. But there used to be some virtues in life. And there were some virtues in, in our culture and society. And, and what we find is, is that when we adhere to these virtues, that a society will thrive. Like, like these virtues are the things that are the glue that holds society together. And today... We're going to begin walking down a journey of some of these forgotten virtues that are the virtues that come from the character and nature of God that should exist inside of his people. And when they do, when they do, the world is at peace and the world is at harmony. And the first virtue that I want to talk about today is this kind of forgotten virtue of honor. Everybody say that with me this morning. Everybody say honor. There's a virtue that we've lost called honor, where we don't treat people the way that we used to treat people. We don't treat even positions of authority or people groups the way that we used to treat them. And we no longer honor things and people the way that we ought to. And I just thought, you know what, it's time that we kind of just unearth and dig back up and rediscover some of these incredible virtues, because these aren't virtues that, that the founding fathers of America made up. That's not where they come from. These are virtues that come from the character and nature of God and are taught in the Bible. And again, if we rediscover those values, we rediscover those virtues, our life will become more blessed and the world around us will be a better place. Today, we'll look at honor. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Mark chapter 6 with me. There's a story where Jesus encounters this lack of honor in his culture and in his society. He goes back, and, and, and this is going to make sense to a lot of you. He goes back to his hometown and starts hanging out with his family. And in the midst of his hometown and his family, he encounters this like really, really dishonorable situation. Let's read together. Mark chapter 6. The Bible says that Jesus left there. He was in a different place. And he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. So some of the people were like, it's Jesus. Woohoo! You know, they had... Like, yeah, let's, this is awesome. And this guy, this guy can throw down a good sermon. What's this wisdom 
that has been given him. He even does miracles. But yet some people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. But wait, isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that Mary's kid? You know his brother, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters are with us. And they took offense at him. And then Jesus said, he quotes something, only in his hometown and among his relatives and even in his own house is a prophet, everybody say, without honor. Only as a prophet in his hometown, that's where he truly is without honor. And then the next line floors me. It says he could not do any miracles there. But I mean, he's Jesus. You can't keep a good man down. He, he did lay hands on a few people and he healed them. But I'm floored by the idea that he's in an environment where it doesn't say that he just, because it wasn't like Jesus was like, well, that's it. Fine. If you're going to be, if you're going to be snooty, then I'm not going to do any miracles. He didn't do that. It says he could do no miracles, to which I always thought Jesus could do whatever he wanted, right? I just thought, well, Jesus is Jesus. He's God. He just do whatever he wants because he's God, and that's just the way. It says that he could do no miracles, which means this, is that miracles are not something that are solely responsible uh, to God and for God, but you play a role in that miracle because there was something in those people that actually restricted the miracles of God happening in their life, and it said that there was a culture or an attitude of what? Dishonor. Like, like Jesus goes back to his hometown and they're mad at him. Like some people were, were excited. You know, some people were like, hey, he does miracles. He's a great teacher. I bet they didn't grow up with him. They were new to the town. They were newbies to the town. And so they didn't get offended. But the Bible says that all of a sudden they step back and they're like, well, wait a minute. Who, just who do you think you are up in here? You know what my mama told me one time? See, when, when I was young, and I became a Christian, and then I began to teach and preach and do things. And then, you know, I would clearly get a little bit, you know, arrogant. I would, I would, I would you know, tell people or put things straight that wasn't my job to put things straight. Or I'd let people know that it wasn't my business to let them. But bless God, I'd let them know. And, and then she would, she would use this phrase on me. Y'all see if mom ever used this phrase on you. Young man, you're getting a little bit too big for your britches. <laughs> Anybody ever got too big for their britches before? That's what they're saying to Jesus. Don't use that phrase. Let's move on from that. Can we all just, let's just move on, okay? But, but that's what they're saying to Jesus. Jesus rolls up, you know, this is, his, this is where he grew up. He wasn't born here, but this is where he grew up. This is his hometown. He played football down the street. I mean, he, play, he played in the street. You know, he, he, all of his brothers and his sisters, and he's got that whole family. And it was a small family. You got to remember, this was got like village living where everybody kind of knew everybody. And then he comes back and he's got like a new toga, you know. He's got some fresh Birkenstocks and he's got a new hairdo. And he's rolled in with a posse now. He used to not have a posse. He used to just work for his dad. And now he rolls in with the crew and he steps up to the sermon and he's laying it down. And they're like, oh, hold up, hold up. You going to come back up in here and tell us? And they're offended at him. And I wanted to get you to see that, that this is what creates this Dishonor. So let's let's do this real quick. As we talk about dishonor, there's a, there's a Greek word and a, and a Hebrew word, and we could get all that. But I'm just going to give you the, the gist of what it is. To honor or to without honor, this idea that the environment and culture that Jesus walked into, it just means to dishonor, to treat common or ordinary, to take it lightly. Now now, 
This is where I, as a pastor, even get frustrated with church people. Because I, I'm here to love church people and lead church people and help church people. That's all my life. But, but this is where it gets frustrating because I feel like sometimes we do this to Jesus. I think sometimes we look at church and God and worship or the Bible and all of a sudden it's just ordinary or, or it's common. Or, or literally when you get into the idea of, of, of honor and dishonor, what you find is this. Is that there's, a, there's, a, there's this idea of weightiness to it. You know what I'm talking about? Because like this is, you, you just, you've experienced this before. I just think you're taking this too lightly. I think you, you, the way you handled it, you took it too casually. You, there's this idea of weightiness when they talk about honor and dishonor. The same thing with honor. It was, this is a heavy thing. This is not something you just gloss over or brush by or overlook. This is a heavy, weighty matter. And what you've got to be careful of is that you don't become the same hometown people that said, well, we know Jesus. I I grew up in church. I've been to church my whole life. Todd, I heard every sermon. I heard David and Goliath. And I heard Daniel and the lions did. And I know about Jonah and that fish. And I I know it all. You You ain't got nothing new to tell me. And all of a sudden, everything becomes ordinary. It becomes common. And we begin to take lightly. So like, the, like this, is what, this is my worst fear as a pastor is that you begin to take the presence of God lightly, the character and nature of God lightly. So this is where you get people that, that come in late, they leave early, they, they space out during the message, they can't worship, and then, and then they wonder why they feel so distant from God. It's because, well, you've created an environment of dishonor. And honor is the opposite. To still get honor is just to flip, just to value something, to respect it, to give it incredible esteem. Remember, it's a weighty thing. This is a big deal. And I want you to know, because think about it. Jesus could do no miracles, which means this, is that the, the attitude of honor is what welcomes the presence and power of God. So some of you, if you don't feel the presence of God, and you don't have the power of God operating in your life, it's because Jesus is your homeboy. I'm telling you, he's not. Like, like that, that when we take something so lightly and so casually, it loses its power in your life. And that's exactly what these people had done. Now, now think about what causes the, the offense, or I mean, causes the dishonor. The first thing is um, familiarity creates dishonor. Have you ever thought about that? Like, they're so comfortable with Jesus, he's the hometown kid, but who is he? And their own familiarity with Jesus, don't become so familiar with something that it becomes casual. The other thing is, is they were offended. Now, how many of you know that's true? Anytime you're offended at somebody, and we have that going on in our culture, anytime you're offended at a group of people, you're offended at a certain class of society, you're offended at a certain whatever, you can't honor them anymore. And that's what's going on in this environment. But I want you to know this, is the Bible is very, very clear and says a lot of powerful things about this subject called honor. And it's repeated from Genesis to Revelation, from Job to Malachi. It's, it's all through there, and it's repeated. And there's different groups of people that the Bible's specific. As a matter of fact, there's five specific people that I want to talk about. Number one is this, people that you need to honor. This is, we all know this one, right? If you grew up in church, you definitely know this one. Remember that whole Ten Commandments thing? That was kind of a big deal, right? That was like the big ten. Everything hung on the big Ten Commandments. And, the, and the, the fourth commandment was what? Honor thy father and mother. And so like, I want you to know the Bible speaks of this, not just in the Old Testament. Paul brings it up. Listen to this. Paul brings it up in the New Testament. And he says this. He goes, honor your father and mother. He's just quoting. That's not original. He says, but which is the first commandment with a promise. Like if you go read Exodus chapter 20, where God gives all 10 commandments, the fourth commandment, honor thy father and the mother. 
And it's the only one that says, if you do this, I will bless you with long life on the earth. And so like he goes, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life. It is a big deal. And so listen to me. Uh, Kids, if you're out there, if you're a teenager, young person, you need to listen to me. There is only one command in all of scripture concerning you as a young person. That's it. It is to honor your father and mother. And I'm just telling you this, is if you do that, everything else begins to fall into its proper place. That's it. And when it comes to like kids, now as a, as a Christ follower, sure, there's all kinds of different commands. But specifically as a kid, it's to do one thing, it's to honor your father and mother. Now, listen, there's going to be a kickback as I walk through all these ideas. So let me, let me, just, let me fix something real quick here, because maybe I should have fixed this earlier. But we'll use the parents as a reference. Some of you could say, well, well Todd, that's great. But you must have had good parents. My parents are jerks. Or my parents was this. And my dad left. And my mom was a this. And I got, I got all these issues. Here's what you need to know. And you need to write this down. Respect is earned. Honor is given. And there's a difference. Because honor is not about them. Honor is about you. So I'm not saying that you have to respect all the decisions that they made and all their lifestyle decisions and everything that they ever did. I'm not telling you that you have to respect those things. Heck, I'm not even telling you you have to obey all those things. If ever a parent or authority figure tells you to do something that would be against the word of God, I'm not saying you have to obey, but I'm saying you can disobey and disagree and still be incredibly honoring because respect is, is earned. I, I'm not telling you you have to respect everybody in that sense of respecting what they do and how they live and the choices that they made. I'm telling you that you can disagree and still show honor. So as we look at these categories of people, like that, that's your parents. And so if, if you disagree with your parents, that's fine. But you be honorable about the way that you do it. Number two is this. You honor age. Like the Bible speaks very clearly about this. We have changed in our culture to where we don't honor the elderly anymore. Like we, we don't have the same level of like respect for people who have through age earned the right to just, hey, we need to take care of. You can tell how good a culture and a society is by how well it takes care of older people and children. Every great culture, every great society that is built on biblical virtue, you'll see they take care of the elderly and they take care of children. Because those are the two categories of people that sometimes that cannot, cannot take care of or fend for themselves at always. And so the Bible says you honor age. Listen to this. I'll prove it to you. The Bible says in Leviticus, it says, rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. I, I want you to see this because whenever you read the Bible, I want you to try to connect the dots. You would think part one and part two go together. They're basically saying the same thing. You rise in the presence of the aged and you show respect for the elderly. That's just two things saying the same thing. When it comes to the elderly, you show honor. But then look, he throws in something that seems to be out of place. And I'm telling you it's not, that it's there for a reason. He goes, and revere your God, I am the Lord. The way that you show honor to your parents, whether they've earned your respect or not, and the way that you show honor to the elderly is a reflection of how you honor God. They are connected and cannot be separated. So you can't, in one sense, go around dishonoring your parents and dishonoring the elderly, and then all of a sudden, oh, but I honor God. No, you don't. Because to do one is absolutely linked to the other, and to undo one is to undo them both. Are you hearing me this morning? So honor's a big deal. Number, number three is this, honor authority. Yeah, like 
people of authority, positions of authority. It goes back to parents, it goes back to teachers, it goes back to, to yes, law enforcement and government officials and our president. Listen to me, think about this. When the president walks into um, Congress to give the State of the Union, what does everybody do? Everybody stands and claps. Half the room hates him. Half the room disagrees with him at any given time. This guy, this guy, this party, this party, half the room doesn't like him. But you show honor to the position. You show honor to what that position represents. You show honor to the fact that God put him in that position, whether you voted for him or not. Because you can disagree and still show honor. Are you hearing me today? You can disagree, because I'll, I'll prove it to you. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says this. Submit yourselves. This is another word, by the way. If you were to look at honor and submit, they're linked together. Submit, because submit in this sense has a lot to do with honor, not necessarily just you go obey no matter what. It's, it's kind of, it's, it might be a poor English word to use, but it's the best word we could come up with. But he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to what? To every authority instituted among men. Whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Meaning this, even if they're wrong, you live righteously. Even if they're corrupt, you live in a righteous manner. Live as free men, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. Listen to this. Show proper respect or honor to To everyone. Listen to this. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the who? We ain't got no king. We got a president. But it just went through all, it just listed all kinds of, he literally said you got a king and then you got governors and you got everybody underneath them. Honor them all. Whether they're righteous or not, you live righteously because although respect is earned, honor is given because honor is about you. Honor is about what's in your heart and it begins with what's in your heart towards God, because I've asked you to do this. Now, I need you to lie. I'm going to blow your mind here real quick here. Paul says the same thing in Romans 13. Go read it for yourself on your own. Peter's saying this. I want you to get the idea that when they say honor the king, actually the Greek would say honor the emperor in this, this, this verse. Romans 13 says honor the king. I want you to think about this. Who was the king? Who was the emperor under what empire when Peter and Paul wrote this? Do you might know? It's the Roman Empire. There was a guy underneath the Caesars named Nero. And Nero was the one who was primarily in charge of, and he hated the Christians, hated all the Jesus people, and he burned down Rome. This is a crazy story. He burned down Rome so that he could rebuild it in his own image and own likeness. And he wanted to make all these monuments into him, but he had to burn down all the old stuff. So he burned it down himself, but then blamed it on the Christians and said they did it. And then he went and murdered a bunch of Christians. This is where when you go watch like Gladiator, you know, with Russell Crowe, when they were fighting in the arenas. There's a deleted scene. It's in, the, it's in the, the, the extended version. If you go look at all the deleted scenes, there's a, there's a part in there where they literally have these Christians that they fed to the lions and they just cut it out of the movie. It was historically accurate. Nero had his garden lined and the way that he lit the garden at night, this is so disgusting, was with the heads, the beheaded heads of Christian people. This man was wicked, he was evil, and he was wrong. Now, clearly, you know, there's no way Paul would say honor that guy. 
to honor the king. Listen, you don't have to agree. You can disagree. You don't have to respect what they do. What they do could be wicked. Honor's about you. It's not about them. You can disagree, and you can still show honor to people in authority positions. Let's, let's keep going. Notice that at the end of that verse, it said honor everyone. Like, like it says, show proper respect to everyone. So number four is this. Who do we honor? Everyone. Like, like here's, here's a shocker. Everyone. Like, okay, so we should honor, you know, Parents, absolutely. Honor the elderly, absolutely. I think we need to consciously think about those people groups. I think it's hard sometimes to honor authority figures who abuse their authority. It totally, I get that. So he, he specifies, but he's going to say, let's just, let's just all boil it down to this. Are they a person? Honor them. Are they a human being made in the image and likeness of God? You should just honor them. Hey, are they a person for whom Christ died? You should honor them too. Just, let's just put under the blanket everyone. And what would happen in a culture and society if we just began to look at other people and say, hey, before I respond, before I open my mouth, before I react to that situation, what if I thought, okay, this is, well, if I do this, will that dishonor them? If I, if I didn't, listen, it's not about whether they deserved it or not, honor's about you. And everybody, listen to these words. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. And I love this last line. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine the influence that believers and Christ followers would have if they just walked around saying, I'm going to beat you today. I'm going to so kick your butt at honoring people. I'm going to trash you today. I got, I got this. And you just, I'm going to outdo you today. And all of a sudden, we just go on this honor fest. How can we treat other people with kindness and dignity to, to, to give them some weightiness? Whether I agree with them or not, but what if I did that? What if I begin to treat every human being as if they mattered? <laughs> what if I treated every person if I thought, you know what? Jesus died for them because he valued them so highly. I should be careful before I say that. I should be careful before I act that way and respond that way. What if I just put everyone in that category? Now, here's the deal. I know, I know there's this, well, that sounds great, Todd. That sounds really just pine sky. That's, that's fantastic. We should just do that. Let's go honor everybody. Yeah. Let me tell you why that's so difficult in our current kind of climate. The reason why we've lost honor in our culture is primarily because of us. There is a thing inside of Christianity where we don't, honor God the way that we used to because here's the reality the reason why we've lost honor in our culture is because we don't honor God anymore there is a lack of reverence and awe for God not amongst non-believers I don't I don't care about that that's not my concern I'm talking about the people in this room I'm talking about the people who have professed faith in Jesus that amongst that group there is a there's a dishonor. There's a, I've taken it too lightly now. Because at last, the last person in the last category and the last main thing we need to focus on when we think about honor number five is this, is we need to honor God. Like, listen to this right here. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. I could give you 30 more verses almost just like this. All this, like, can you imagine? Listen to the language of that. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor. Like God has splendor. I don't have splendor. You don't have splendor. God has splendor. I'm not very holy. God is holy. Are you hearing me today? Like he 
is a weighty matter that should never be taken lightly. And we should give incredible esteem to God in everything that we do. Now, now I'm going to show you something here real quick here because the, the obvious answer is, okay, Todd, I get, okay, we honor the elderly, honor our parents, honor authority figures. We really need to honor everyone. Okay, I got that. And we need to honor God because ultimately honoring God is the genesis. It's the starting point that if you don't do that, then you have no value system really by which you honor other people. If you pull God out of the equation, then who you honor, how you honor, that's just random. That's just made up from culture to culture, society to society. You get to make up your own rules, your own value system. No, when it starts with God, then all of a sudden God has said, you do this because of who I am and because what I have said about them. How do we honor God? What I want to show you is this, is that Jesus went into a different environment on a different occasion and I want you to see the total difference in attitude and posture that these people take compared to the people that we read in Mark chapter 6. Are you ready? John chapter 12, the Bible says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So we, we've probably heard that story before. We taught from that story just weeks ago that Jesus has a buddy, died Days later, Jesus raised him from the dead. Now he goes back to Lazarus' house, and this is what takes place. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' what? Okay. We, we, let's, I surprised you, I bet. Let's do that again. The dinner was given in Jesus' honor. honor, because that's what you do when people bring you back from the dead. If Jesus brought you back from the dead, you'd, you'd be like, hey, it's, I, I owe you. Can I at least have a dinner for you? You know, that, that kind of a thing. Let, let me help you out real quick here. You were dead in your sins and are lost and estranged from God. And it is only because of Jesus that you have life, grace, and forgiveness. He has brought you back from the dead. And what we want to do is, let's just keep reading. This is good. Okay, so because it, it, it's what you do. You throw a dinner in Jesus' honor. Martha served... Because remember, remember there was another story where like they have done this before. This is not the first time they've had Jesus as the guest of honor. And there's this story earlier in the Bible where like Martha and Mary get into like a tiff, you know, a little sister spat. Because one of them is just sitting at the feet of Jesus and just listening. And Martha's doing dishes and cooking. And Martha looks at Mary's like, hey, I'm over here working my tail off. Quit sitting. And Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, hey, both things are good. But right now what she's doing is really, really important. So listen, listen, listen. This isn't the first time. This is not a one-time occasion. This is not Jesus brought me back from the grave. I'll give him one dinner. No, this is a lifestyle. Repeated behavior. And the Bible says that Martha's right back to doing what she does. Serving. The Bible says, though, that Martha's serving, but Lazarus is not. What is Lazarus doing? Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. They didn't have lazy boys. They had these like tables that basically sat on the ground. And then they had pillows all around. If you've ever seen this, how you do like a Middle East or if you go to Morocco and go to a dinner, you know, like that. They're sitting down on pillows and couches. And they're like just, chill, just chilling. And that's why they would eat forever too. You know what I'm saying? Like they'd have like six hour meals. Why? You just... And then you might not take a bite for two more minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, we get to the Cheesecake Factory and hove over like 20 pounds of food, you know? Like <sighs> that's not what they did. And so, so Lazarus is not serving. He's just fellowshipping with Jesus. 
Like literally, I just want to listen. I want to talk. I want to ask questions. I want to learn. I just want to be with you, God. Now listen, listen to this. So that's where Lazarus is. Verse 3 says, then Mary, this is the other sister. So you got Martha serving. Lazarus is chilling on a pillow talking to Jesus. And Mary took about a pint of pure nard. That sounds so gross. An expensive perfume. It says that. It was like, look, people in the future are going to be like, this is weird. So let's just let them know it's expensive perfume. So that's why they wrote that in there. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. To some of us, that would be like, ew. The way you girls are about your hair and the amount of bottles in the shower that are dedicated to your hair. And then you have bottles under the sink that are dedicated to your hair. This was a cultural thing of the highest honor. Can you imagine? They walked around with open-toed shoes on dirty Roman roads. And Jesus is in there and Martha's serving and Lazarus is just fellowshipping. But then Mary comes in and she takes the most expensive and valuable thing that she owns. And she begins to pour it over Jesus and wash his dirty feet with her hair. Do you see the level of honor? This was a dinner given in Jesus's honor. See, you you need to know that like in your home, Jesus should be the guest of honor. Like in your heart, Jesus should be the guest of honor. In in your life, he should be the guest of honor. That once he's in your home and in your heart, how many of you know when like somebody really important is in your home, you stop what you're doing? You know what I mean? You don't keep watching the game. You go give them honor. You make them the priority. You make them the focus. You're like, hey, do, do, can I get you a warm beverage? Would you like tea or coffee? Can I get, and, and then you're like, you make sure everything is perfect. How many of you fall into the category of you only clean your home when company comes over? Is that like a nervous laughter? Okay. Hey, I grew up like that. My mom never cleaned unless company was coming over and then we cleaned everything. And, and, and I hated it because then, because I was never used to cleaning and then I had to go clean. I, I don't want to get into it. Anyway, when Jesus is the guest in your home and he's the guest of honor in your heart, everything stops and he becomes the focus and the priority and the centerpiece of all that you do. And it's not about what you want anymore. It's about what he wants. So if he wants to watch tennis and you hate tennis, bless God, you're watching Wimbledon. And, and, and if he likes this kind of drink, you're going to get it for him. And if he wants this, you're going to get it for him because he is the priority. And while some of you will be serving and we should all do that, others will be fellowshipping and we should, we should all do that. And there should be a moment of extravagant worship. This is why we lift our hands and close our eyes and sing these songs because we sing of his splendor because he's got splendor. We don't, we don't have splendor, but he's got the splendor. He is worthy of all of our honor. And when we begin to honor God, and then we step back and realize that the way that we honor God is not just how we treat him directly, because then he said of us, dear parents, I know you're honoring me and I appreciate that. I really want that. I want you to go honor your parents. I know she's crazy. She should be in a loony bin. But you take her there with honor. I know that your dad and I know that wound runs deep. But before you say that, you just think of honor first. 
because that's how you'll honor me. And you know those people that are in stages of life where they can't take care of themselves, and you get to a certain stage of life where you even feel like you begin to lose your own sense of dignity because you can't do what you used to be able to do anymore. I want you to so never make them feel embarrassed or weird or ashamed, but I want you to lift them up and celebrate them. I'm telling you what, in, in ancient culture, in Hebrew society, it was the most honorable thing to be old. Like being old was awesome. Being old was like you were the chief. You got the best seat at the table. You always got shotgun. And, and, and you know, it was, it was always, I'm telling you, because that's the way you treat other people. Hey, hey, people of authority, like I want you to honor them. I don't care if you like them or not. I just want you to honor them. Hey, hey, guess what? Just people, just people made in the image of likeness of God. I want you to honor them. And in doing so, you will honor me. Last thought is this. What you'll really find is that the key to honor, and the reason why I kept repeating the phrase, honor's not about them, honor's about you. For some of us, we struggle with this idea, and I'm going to get to the root of it, and I'm going I'm to squeeze somebody's heart right now. Ultimately, the reason why we don't honor people is because of the pride in our own heart. See, whenever you look at other people and you think you're better than them or you're more valuable than them, you can't honor them. Honor goes up. So the only way that you can esteem someone is to lift them up higher than yourself. You can't do that when you've already leveraged and postured yourself as better than someone else. So the, own, the, the, the pride in your own heart is what causes you not to honor people. And the opposite is true because the Bible says as much. That the key to honor is humility. That's how, because humility is this. Humility is not thinking less of myself. I'm not saying go out and say, oh, I'm worthless. I'm no good. I'm a worm. You're so much better than me. No, that's stupid. What I'm telling you is, is that you're a 10. You're awesome. That you are worthy of honor and, and respect. and you're, you're worthy of that. But I want you to take where you're at in life, because you're a 10. And I just want you to lift them a little bit higher. That's what true humility is. It's not thinking less of myself. It's actually just thinking of myself less and thinking more of you. So humility is the key to honor. Listen to this, Proverbs 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So peep this, for me to give honor, what do I need in my heart? It's not a trick question. Humility, for me to give honor to somebody else, what do I need in my heart? Humility, but it goes both ways, because see, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that God opposes the proud, but he lifts up the humble. But listen to this, humility is how I get honor, humility is how I give honor. So like, for those of you who say, man, I, I, humility is how you both get it, and it's how you give it. And I'm telling you this, when you, as Christ followers, begin to unearth this kind of lost idea of honor, because listen to me, for us to not honor people at this point in life is for you to conform to the world around you and become like the very thing that we're trying to infiltrate. You become like them. You become like this world. You become a part of this sinful, broken system. Because in the sinful, broken system, we're all full of arrogance trying to leverage ourselves as better than somebody else. And Jesus said, that's not how the kingdom works. You're not of this world. You're of my kingdom. And in my kingdom, when humility is in your heart, you elevate and honor and esteem people higher than yourself. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you find peace in your heart. But you find peace in the world around you. Because we begin to look at other people and say, you know, what? I'm not better than anybody. How can I honor them and esteem them higher than myself? What would the world look like if we began to honor everyone like that? Let's pray this morning. God, today 
is a challenge. And I feel challenged, and I hope that, that your people feel challenged. And God, I pray that we would rise to the challenge. And so, God, I pray that we would go out of this place, Lord God, and we, we look at things. We wouldn't just start barking our mouth off and being rude and, and hateful and mean and putting other people down. But, God, we would go out of this place and say, whether I disagree with them or I don't totally respect how they did that, God, I can still show honor because I honor you. And this is what you've asked me to do. And so now honor is about me and it's about the humility in my heart. I pray that we as your followers would go out of this place and learn how to treat other people with dignity and honor. God, because they are made in your image and likeness and you have died for them. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.